Well, welcome back to the Wisdom Calling Podcast. I'm your host, Bobo Beck, and I'm on a mission to help wisdom-seeking professionals just like you to think more critically and live more strategically, all from a biblical perspective. See, I believe wisdom is needed more than ever in our society, especially in the marketplace. This podcast is also a companion to the devotional series, Wisdom Calling, which currently consists of three separate volumes and 90 individual devotionals. I'll be saying more about those at the end. So thank you for taking the time to tune in to episode 32. Let's get started. The well-known investor and billionaire Warren Buffett has called compound interest the eighth wonder of the world. In fact, he first became a millionaire in 1962 and has been compounding his first million for over 60 years. So why is compound interest such a powerful financial phenomenon? Well, it comes down to leveraging time, often making small investments grow little by little. So we might be familiar with this investing concept, but a similar compound effect can be found in our own lives and work, except it's not interest, but rather compromise. Every single day, you and I are faced with a myriad of choices, some minor and insignificant, while others potentially life-altering. What starts out as a little compromise of character can lead to catastrophic consequences. Each headline-making corporate scandal or pastoral fall from grace didn't happen overnight. With each, you could go back and trace a trail of small compromises compounding over time. And the same is true in our own lives. In the narrative of the book of Joshua, just after the events of Achan's sin that we considered in the last episode, the people of Israel were preparing to conquer other people groups who lived in the land God had promised to them. The city of Jericho was the first to fall. In Joshua chapters 9 through 12, they catalog how Yahweh fought for Israel as they withstood both a six-king alliance and another five-king alliance and conquered the people and lands of southern and northern Canaan. Yahweh even miraculously had the sun to stand still in order to secure Israel's victory over an Amorite alliance. Group after group, land after land, God was Israel's guide and fighter. But Israel wasn't completely faithful to Yahweh in return. In Joshua chapter 9, a, a people group called the Gibeonites devised a scheme to remain in the good graces of Israel and not be destroyed like so many of the other people in Canaan up to that point. The leader Joshua unwisely decided to make a treaty with them. Listen to Joshua 9.14. 
the men took some of the provisions, but did not ask counsel from the Lord. The Yahweh had required Israel to seek his counsel, especially in matters dealing with foreign people groups. But in this situation, they compromised and they did not ask God for wisdom first. Joshua chapters 13 through 24 focus less on the taking of the land by conquest and more on the receiving of the land from Yahweh through allotment. God reveals himself there as the great landowner and the great land giver. Region by region, God systematically apportioned land to each of the 12 tribes of Israel as he had always promised he would do. But some of the tribes didn't fully follow Yahweh's instructions. Joshua 13.13 states, Yet the people of Israel did not drive out the Geshurites and the Maakathites. Fast forward many years into Israel's existence, King David was opposed by the Maakathites, the same people that Joshua's generation allowed to remain in the land. In addition, David's son Absalom was born to Maaka a Geshurite princess. Of course, we don't see those future events here in the narrative of Joshua, but we do see multiple examples of incomplete obedience and compromise. Joshua 15 highlights how the tribe of Judah couldn't drive out the Jebusites. Joshua 16 highlights the tribe of Ephraim's failure to drive out the Canaanites at Gezer. Instead, they kept these enemies of Yahweh around and used them for forced labor. Joshua 17 tells of the western half-tribe of Manasseh and their inability to drive out the Canaanites in their region, also using them for forced labor. Over and over, the people of God chose to tolerate wickedness. They took what God had meant for destruction, and use them for their own benefit. And yet at the backdrop of this pattern of compromise and unfaithfulness is the consistent faithfulness of Yahweh. Joshua 21 serves as a summary statement of everything that had taken place up to that point, as well as, as a thematic statement for the entire book of Joshua. Consider the amazing faithfulness of God with these words from Joshua 21. Thus the Lord gave to Israel all the land that he swore to give to their fathers, and they took possession of it, and they settled there. And the Lord gave them rest on every side, just as he had sworn to their fathers. Not one of all their enemies had withstood them, for the Lord had given all their enemies into their hands. Not one word of all the good promises that the Lord had made to the house of Israel had failed. All came to pass. 
As the process of land conquest and the allotment comes to an end in Joshua 23 and 24, so did the long, fruitful life of Joshua himself. With his remaining strength, the elderly Joshua exhorted the leaders and the people of Israel to be strong and obey Yahweh to remain separate from foreign nations and their gods, to hold fast to Yahweh and his words, and to be careful to love him with their whole hearts. And if they failed to do so, they would fall into a snare and would experience a whip and thorns until they perished. God would remain faithful, but there would be consequences if they turned from him. So what does all of this from thousands of years ago mean for you and I today? Well, we can certainly learn from Israel's failures. We are reminded that God is to be consulted with our decisions. When, when we ignore him, we do so at our own peril. So practically, we can gain God's counsel by praying. By consistently reading and studying the Bible, his word, and by inviting other believers into our decision-making process. You know, this is especially crucial for those of us running businesses or leading organizations. So I wonder how often do you first consult with God before making a significant business decision? Do you bring others who are spiritually mature into the process to get their perspective, perhaps to sniff out any blind spots or areas of compromise you might be making? I know looking back that I wish I had brought others into the due diligence process of some financial investments I've made. I had legal advice, which was great, but not anyone questioning the timing or whether I had the right motives in making the investment in the first place. You know, this study in Joshua also reminds us of the dangers of the compounding effect of compromise. When we make small compromises here And there, before we realize it, these bad decisions can compound and snowball into a reality that is difficult to overcome. A little lie here, a a little fudging of the numbers and reporting there, a a little flirting with someone who isn't our spouse here, a a little stealing there, and, and then it all compounds and grows. And then our hearts become hard toward God. Then our spiritual eyes and ears become dull. We become complacent and even worse, completely cut off from God, going through life in our own strength and way. So friend, uh, allow these reminders to be God's merciful wake-up call to you. Perhaps you need to reassess how you do business or who you partner with. There's no neutrality here. Either you are following God's way, the way of wisdom, or you are following your own. Ask God, even now, perhaps while you are in the car or at the gym, to reveal any areas of compromise in your life, no matter how small. And unlike the 
popular motto says, don't sweat the small stuff. We should, in fact, sweat the small stuff. Don't allow it to go unchecked. Stop trying to cover it or simply manage it. Agree with God in terms of what exactly it is. And that is wickedness, evil, sin. It's not until we are honest with God and honest with ourselves and honest with others that we can experience true joy and flourishing. Man, these last few episodes have not been easy and deal with topics we don't hear much about. Greed and covetousness and now here with the dangers of compromise. But this is all part of cultivating wisdom, of thinking more critically about our culture and then living strategically. My prayer in preparing for this episode is that God in his mercy might use this to call some of you back to him, to his word, to stop and as Solomon says in Proverbs, ponder the path of your feet. Compromise is often so subtle, but yet so potentially dangerous. Hey, listen, uh, if you haven't seen or heard already, uh, I recently released the second edition of the Wisdom Calling devotional series. I've updated the cover layouts and the subtitle and a number of things throughout. And one of my favorite features of the series is the topic list in the back of each devotional. As the series grows, so does that list. And I have actually consulted it many times myself recently to go back and find where I discuss certain topics. So I hope you will check those out on Amazon or on the website, which is wisdomcalling.org. And by the way, I am currently writing volume four, which is fully set in the book of Proverbs. I cannot wait to make those available to you. Also, if you are on Instagram, which I know many of you are, make sure to follow Wisdom Calling. The handle or profile is at Wisdom Calling Now. That is Wisdom Calling Now. No spaces. There are various resources and content that are only posted there on our Instagram page. Well, that's all the time we have for now. May you continue to cultivate wisdom. That is the knowledge, character, skill, and conduct needed to recognize God's will, internalize his word, and mobilize in his ways. Until next time, grace and peace.